A couple of weeks ago, I called out some of the more egregious growth hacky Twitter threads that I was seeing in the web dev section of Twitter. And one of them was Maxim Ivanov, who I didn't know, but actually is a moderately sized YouTuber. And he decided to invite me onto his YouTube channel to discuss me calling him out. And I thought it was a pretty fun conversation because it was slightly awkward, right? You know, when you criticize someone, but he took it really well. And I think we both had a really deep discussion that I've never gone into about Grift, talking a little bit about my experience with nonprofits in, a, in Africa, Malawi, and just talking about like what can be better than just playing the content game for numbers. It's just something I'm trying to articulate an alternative path for. Numbers are great, but relationships are better. So enjoy the interview. Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking with Sean Wang, who is mostly known as Swix. And we're going to discuss, oh, Sean, could you please introduce yourself first? <laughs> Hey everyone, uh, I'm Sean. I am also known as Swix. I am head of developer experience at Temporal.io, but I'm also on Twitter a lot and uh, a general content creator and my personal capacity. So I'm here to talk about that. I mostly know about uh, Sean by reading his article, Learning in Public, which is great, and also other essays. You probably know him as well uh, if you read this article. It's about literally learning in public, actually showing your progress, sharing your progress, putting out the material and learning by, by doing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's something that when I reflect on my own career, every time I've done it, it's really been the determinant of the majority of my success. So that's when I went to do a speech for my bootcamp. That was the title of my speech. I wrote it down in like one afternoon and then I tweeted it and it just went viral. So I was like, okay, this is something that people want to hear about. And three years later, I'm still doing it. It's, it's still amazing. And I want to spread the word. Sean has some great essays, so for sure, Sean knows how to make some great content. But I would like to give some backstory to this call. Let me share my screen. I want to show the tweet and what will be the matter of today's discussion. Share the screen. It's yeah, always scary. When, it's always scary when people show you your own tweet. You're like, what am I going <laughs> to Yeah, so there is this, this thing in Twitter, which I understand totally. Uh, and I also did it. <laughs> this is why we're doing the stream today. Uh, so their power is growing, the singularity approaches. And then a bunch of tweet threads with uh, five websites or whatever amount of websites that will save some amount of time per week or per day or per something. You can see I'm here as well. <laughs> one funny thing, though, is that I have only one like and retweet, but whatever. Usually they get a lot of engagement and this is why people do it. You didn't save enough hours. That's what the, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's the problem. So... As I understand, you think that this is a wrong approach to create content, right? And first I would like I, to discuss what is wrong with this thing. Wrong is a strong word. Uh, making fun. And it's okay mm -hmm. to make fun. It's okay to make fun of things. That's all. That's all. So what that tweet was doing was that what if you took them seriously, right? Like because every tweet was like, I was this tweet will save you two hours per week. And then the next tweet was like, this tweet will save you four hours. And the next tweet will take you five. And the next tweet will take you ten. So I was like, what if you just add it all up? Will you just not need to work anymore? <laughs> yeah, eventually. Yeah. This is why in this uh tweet where I posted about this stream, I said eight hours a day straight ahead. So you can skip the whole workday, be free. Yeah. So it's obviously making fun of the exaggeration. And I mean, I, I get why people do it. So I, yeah, that's as far as I go. I don't call it out as like anything evil. I mm -hmm. just think that it's obviously not uh, very genuine. 
because nobody really thinks that you're saving any amount of hours. So you're obviously lying to your own people just to get some clout. And it's also, I, I think that there's a buzzfeedification of Twitter where people are, yeah, people are trying to turn their threads into listicles. Basically, they'll promise something absurd at the top and then they'll list five or seven or 10 projects, most of which they just saw when Googling around just before tweeting they, that they don't actually use. Right. I see a lot of this as well on Grifter Twitter with like, here are the top seven JavaScript projects ranked by number of GitHub stars. Well, thank you very much. I didn't know that. And it's very clear that there's just no effort put into it, and, but people just like it anyway. Yeah. It's the path of the least resistance. And actually I was with my tweet, I was actually even less genuine. I was actually, I didn't even care about the actual content. What I wanted to see if does this technique work? So it was like double, two, la two layers of in, in, uningenuity, I guess. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, monkey see, monkey do. We are all, Twitter is partially a game and you're all trying to figure out what you're playing for. It turns out that every, people do have different rules and I'm trying to inspire people to have a higher level of quality or purpose for themselves than likes, because I think mm -hmm. that is the lowest common denominator. And I, that's not something I want to see in my life. Uh, I think my, I've wasted enough of my own life on that. It's fine. If you want to do it, I it's, it's, it's an open platform. Do whatever you want to do on your own account. It's, I'm not telling you what to do on your own account. Yeah, um, totally. But, but I also have the right to mm -hmm. make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. I even wrote in my next tweet that I actually got some bitter taste after doing it. Just like when using Tinder, I got into some mood that I didn't really like when mm -hmm. I was dehumanizing people who. I consider just as followers instead of like trying to make genuine connection, but I totally understand why I would continue doing it just because it's the path of the least resistance and you eventually might get very good uh, responses on that. So this, I would say platform, the platform itself encourages people to uh, continue pushing out this sort of content. It's There's, easy to make I mean, and then you get likes and retweets. Encourage is a strong word. You are, uh, you have agency in your own choices. And mm -hmm. the kind of people that you want to, that connect with you based on those kinds of tweets are very low quality people, just quite frankly, in my opinion. And the, and I, there's no point engaging with those people. So yeah, I mean, th there, there are other games to play on Twitter, which is for example, networking with high value people. And I'm not saying like, of course, every, everyone mm -hmm. is valuable and everyone, every person has value. There are just some people who don't value quality and they, they just respond to very like, okay. It's like the, the people who click on like the Buzzfeed articles, right. And like the, here's the seven secrets to losing weight. You won't believe number five, that kind mm -hmm. of so basically by taking a shortcut. Oh, sorry. I interrupted you. No worries. It, it is a shortcut. It is very bottom tier content. And there are a lot of people who respond to that. In fact, probably the majority of the population, but you're saying that because Twitter gives you a lot of likes, Twitter is encouraging you to yeah. do it. I push Short, back on yeah. that. I push back on that because Twitter's not doing anything. It's all these people responding to what you're you're doing. And you don't have to you don't have to respond to it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to sink to that level. You can stand for something better that you can look back on in five, 10, 20 years and say, like, I'm proud of that. Hopefully I'm trying to push people towards that because all these things, all these likes, it doesn't fucking matter. I would like to, not to push back, but a little bit to clarify my previous statement about Twitter actually encouraging you to do this. First of all, a lot of people talk right now, a lot of articles exist about how 
growing on Twitter might help you with your career, might just directly help you to earn money, might help you to launch products and so on. So people come to Twitter. A lot of people come nowadays to Twitter, not to communicate, but just to earn money eventually at some point in time. And then when you go there and first things you see, you follow a bunch of topics. That's what the app encourages you to do. It's the first thing that they ask, follow some topics. And then it starts showing you the materials on those topics. And I, for example, followed web development, open source, computer science, and a bunch more related to uh, programming. And what I saw then was mostly these sort of tweets, not only threads, but also repetitions of the same question, like, are you a programmer or a developer? And things like that, or semi-jokes that are basically repeated over and over and over again. And they're promoted by those topics. So I see your point. I don't necessarily agree that the platform doesn't encourage it. For instance, inside Twitter, there is right, right now Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces. And at this moment, at least, while Clubhouse already became, at least in Russia, SMM, uh, SMM platform where people basically communicate to only promote themselves. So, so majority of interactions there are about growth into the clubhouse. It's like meta social network where people connect for the sake of connection to gain something out of it and growing for the sake of growing. In Twitter spaces, it didn't happen yet. At least I didn't see it. And there, uh, while you're talking directly to other humans, it all feels much more uh, genuine. And I don't see how could you make these kind of discussions even. Like, okay, I'm going to discuss top 10 articles, what not, you can't even post links there. So you see my point that plat platform and the medium that they're using actually matters. And that I, I agree, I agree that by pushing the topics and making the topics so low quality, I recommend they are pushing that onto you and encouraging that. So yeah, I agree on that. Cool. What could be the right counteraction uh, for this? So that when people join Twitter, they see good content because eventually, like at some point, you get some traction and you get, like on YouTube, I'm posting videos, first 1,000 followers was very hard to get. I think it took me more than one year or something. Then second thousand was easier and then now I'm getting 1,000 a month. Yeah. I guess same goes for, for the Twitter. How to start, because making materials that no one watches or reads is not fun. What would you recommend to people who, okay, they, I want to make genuinely good quality content and we can talk about what is good quality talk, uh, content a bit later. But now, if I'm starting out, how do I make it fun for myself? I mean, get some engagement in this. So people actually react, communicate, discuss. What is the good way to get it? Yeah, I have a blog post about this that I call pick up what you put down. And so I'm trying to alter offer an alternative where you don't evaluate the quality of your work by the numbers that you engage. And you should evaluate the quality of your work by how well it starts a conversation with people that you respect on topics mm -hmm. that you're very keen on. So here's the difference, right? I'm trying to learn machine learning. And I, this is an example. I'm, I'm not doing machine learning. <laughs> this is an example. But if Andre Karpathy, who is uh, the head of machine learning at Uber, puts out a new paper or a new library, I can go write a blog post about that or contribute to the library or like make a demo with the library and send it back to him. He has a higher chance of reviewing that because it directly responds to something that he did, right? There's a social contract in creators where you're entitled, you're, you know, encouraged to respond. And if you become a frequent collaborator with him, you might start to get to work with him. You might become a peer. You might learn a lot more from him. And to me, one of those relationships with industry experts, where you start having a very sustainable long-term relationship with the, the people in the industry that is 
much more valuable than 10,000 faceless names who you will never see and who don't really care about you. And the reason you do this is because that's how you avoid the content grind, right? I think mm-hmm. you may have heard about this on YouTube as well, but it's the same in a lot of other platforms. Not really. I don't grind. know what, what is this term. Yeah. Could you right. please clarify? Yeah. Because the algorithm re- re- rewards consistent output. Uh, that one, I'm sure. And if you couple that together with needing to boost the numbers on every single piece that you write, then you start doing very beginner posts, like how to get into development, how to make six figures in, in only six months of study, stuff like that. And that is something that is is fun. It's going to get a lot of numbers because it's uh, very beginner focused and there are always more beginners than there are experts, but it's not very fulfilling. And it's not very genuine after a while, right? Like you can start off doing it for sure, but everybody runs out of steam because that's not the level that you're at anymore. You're always talking down to people, not in not in a sense of like, you don't think they're beneath you, just in a sense of expertise, right? Like you're always like not pushing your comfort zone is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not building industry relationships that are two-way, that are uh, sustainable that are helping you grow professionally as well. You're just, you're presenting yourself as an expert and then you're like, here's the content that YouTube seems to want me to create. I have no choice in the matter. You do. So, so please try to push yourself a little bit harder, try to make interesting content that engages with relevant industry topics and build a network rather than an audience. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Difference? Yeah, yeah, I see now. So instead of targeting people with uh, very few, very small expertise in the topic and trying to please the beginners, your advice is to focus on people who you personally uh, aspire, who you get inspired with yeah, and make content that would allow to connect with them and have interesting discussions. Right. And, and I'm not, and this is not about hero worship, right? There's a lot of celebrity Mm -hmm. culture, especially in tech. And some of that is, is justified because some of these people have really accomplished a lot in their lives, but this is also not about hero worship. So people who are near you, people who are like just a bit above you just a bit to the side of you. You can collaborate with them and you're learning together and growing together. And that's a genuine connection and your friends and you'll see each other five, 10 years down the line, grown together into these great industry legends. Isn't that much better than being like, I don't know, <laughs> a million subscriber YouTube where you're just constantly turning out tutorials. That's partially the the trap that Siraj Naval, have you mm-hmm. heard of it? It's the uh, venture investor, right? No, no, that's Naval Ravikant. Siraj oh, Naval. Okay. Siraj Raval was a YouTuber who had a machine learning YouTube and he was genuinely good for a while, but he committed to doing two videos a week, every single week for like three years. Ooh, I know the, I, I, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. With the gray uh, stripe of hair. Gray stripe of hair, a very smooth talker, very high quality and high energy videos. The problem mm-hmm. was that he was spending most of his time making videos, talking down to people who are beginners and spending zero time actually advancing his own skills. So eventually he ran out of things to do. So he started copying other people's work and presenting it as his own. People have caught him just changing, like copy paste of plagiarizing. Paper, plagiarizing and it's just a really bad look. And then he started selling courses. He said it's like a limited sale of like 200 seats. And then he, it turns out he sold six courses simultaneously of those 200 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and of course uh, people caught him because you cannot keep that up forever. And he apologizes and said the YouTube algorithm made him do it. Did it? Or did he just choose? All right, I see your point. But removing strategy. your own responsibility and your own agency. You, is... have, you have a choice, man. You have a yeah. choice. And I'm not saying, like, do whatever makes you happy. I don't think he was very happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was just, he's just, he just I captivated by numbers. And I'm sorry, it got, it got to him. 
but like that's not the way I want to live my life and I want to articulate another path for other people to to follow because yeah it's it can seem like it's a good deal but you know if you want hey if you want your followers go and buy them they're they're, bun- they're a bunch of bots the new york times is uh, well no i don't necessarily agree with with the whole stance on this like when you're good at teaching let's say even basic topics and you're just explaining them really well so that beginners grasp them well and then you do courses i think it is still a nice uh, lifestyle if you're like there are it some is. udemy teachers who make a good amount of money they can support sustain themselves and yeah. uh, live a very decent life just by teaching people very b- basic beginner stuff. Yeah. Uh, would I personally go through their courses? Not all of them. I saw a lot of people there who didn't ever have real production experience. Is it de- necessarily a bad course? I reviewed a bunch of them. No, actually not really. If you're just starting out, they might be a really good overview of the technology and just get you going initially. So there are other people like I like uh, the front-end masters platform where they sell the what is it it's basically workshops recorded they have really high quality ones with uh, people who have some industry level practice which is better but i think there is a niche for all of that yeah i think there are multiple successful paths in life and i will never say that the path that i want to go is the only path that is valid for everybody Mm -hmm. they should all listen to me no i'm just saying that this is the path that i follow and here's why Now we can slightly pivot and you could describe uh, in a little bit more detail uh, what is the path you're talking about with these genuine connections and uh, what should be the strategy and what is good content. Like how you already covered it a little bit while talking about directing your writing or recordings towards people who you would like to connect with and network and trying to get network instead of the audience. So could we talk a little bit more about that? Hmm. To me, that is the gist of it. Try to form real relationships rather than game numbers on on some website. Like, here's a good measure, right? Like, can you, is it a two-way street? Are you getting Mm -hmm. as much out of them in terms of learning as they are out of you? Another measure is, for example, like, can you work off of the platform? Can you you work together off of the platform? One of the ways that... Yeah, yeah, hang on. One of the ways that I like to say, one of one of the goals that I like to talk about on Twitter is that your Twitter is at its best when you take your when you meet on Twitter and then you take it off the platform. You start to mm-hmm. move things to DMs and then you're like, hey, let's work together on a project. Let's actually, you can, I want to hire you, come be my coworker, or like something, whatever, right? Like the relationship blossoms into something real instead of transactional. Okay. And if I have to explain that, I, I, I don't know how to <laughs> go further. No, 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 uh, no, another, no, not for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another, another thing I think that happens a lot on, on platforms is that there are a lot of one-offs. So it's like, I'll, I'll do a sprint and then I'll, I'll like put out something amazing and then that's it. And then I'm moving on to something else. So intro to React, intro to Vue, intro to Svelte, intro to TensorFlow, whatever. That doesn't compound over time. And I think that people should try to compound things because... Mm-hmm. Uh, that will deepen your relationship and, and your satisfaction uh, and your uh, expertise rather than spreading it out in a number of areas just because you're planting a flag, right? Because intro to whatever is always like where people start. And that's what you do when you get when you go for numbers. Again, no hate on you if you're very good at that and that's your job, but that is not intellectually fulfilling to me. And that's all I want to say really about that. But I, if you can compound and like build a whole universe of like interconnected content articles that probably is a very good content strategy in in and of itself but it's also very fulfilling for you personally because you're you're exploring the map and going deep on topics that really pique your curiosity and 
people who are who think like you can find you and go down that path together with you. You're leaving a path, a trail behind you of like, here's where I'm going. I'm sharing my journey as I go. It's a very authentic journey. And you can follow along with me and let's, let's, let's see where this ends. I think mm-hmm. that's a lot more uh, fun and, and fulfilling than intro to whatever for the until the end of time. I have another concept, which is not very open for YouTube, which is this idea of open source knowledge. That's another blog post that I've talked about. So closed source, open source code has, has helped to replace a lot of closed source code. And I think open source knowledge, we, we can do that for sort of private learning versus public learning, right? But not just public learning, it's also collaborative learning. For mm-hmm. YouTube, YouTube is not a very collaborative place. Like you can do, I guess, chats like this, but you're not really ever collaborating with your with your readers. W- uh, what about free code camp? What about it? Did this sort of concept being on YouTube where people can contribute to this channel or you mean something very different? That's fine. That's okay. I know. I mean, obviously, it's a nice resource to have, and it's a, it's a really good learning platform. That's open source learning. Sure. I mean. <laughs> how would it look like? Okay, let's say open source learning on YouTube. How would it look okay. like? Okay. Sure. Who's the guy who runs free runs the free code YouTube? Bill Carnes. Bill Carnes runs mm-hmm. the free code YouTube. They post something like four to seven hour videos every week or every day. Do you think he watches all those videos? Or oh, everything that they post? I don't know. Absolutely not. Come on. Are you serious? Hmm. He personally might be not, but they probably have editors. Do you think they don't watch it? Watch it at all? Pretty much. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, I don't you know. You know why? Because I've submitted. <laughs> and they did. And what did you have? Some um, Easter eggs there, or <laughs> how did no, you? Find no, out? It's, just, it's just like he he just comments on the intro and the ending. That's it. Like the, the middle, he doesn't really. Okay, I see. It's, it's some QC for like engagement and stuff like that. He's not learning. He's running a TV network. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a different thing. Is that open source knowledge to you? I don't know. To me, it's okay. just running a TV network. It's a for it's a it happens to be a nonprofit uh, public charity TV network, but it's still a TV network. And that's fine. You know what what I'm trying to say here is, for example, like what is Wikipedia? Wikipedia is the first most successful example of open source knowledge, where we used to have these printed encyclopedias where we, they hire experts and you have to buy it uh, every single year, like here's the new stack of 26 books or something. And that just completely got destroyed, right? Because we, people just collaborated on updating the one resource on, on, on I guess, encyclopedic knowledge. And what if we could do that for uh, anything that we're interested in, right? Hey, I'm, I'm learning React and TypeScript. Let me just throw up a GitHub repo. And there's no code in here, but there's there's every everything that I learned about it organized in a way that makes sense to me and people who come along and see what I'm doing and, and want to help also on that they can be a bit behind me they can ask questions or they can be a bit above me and they can contribute advice or fixes and let's build this into a, a good resource that's collaborative and long term I think that that's a fundamentally awesome thing and that's that's actually what happened to me by the way so two years ago mm-hmm. I did uh, React and TypeScript cheat sheets and that's become the de facto community documentation for React and TypeScript because people from Uber and Airbnb and Microsoft and wherever just came by and added content and that's open source knowledge, right? It created a long-term long running thing. I've been taught for free by all these very high value people. And that's a wonderful way to, to do this. So instead of like a top down, like here, I'm the content creator, I will do a bunch of work and then I'll put out the finished product at the end. And once I'm done. I'm going to move on to do some other random thing that's completely unrelated to the previous thing. There's an ongoing growth 
right? Mm-hmm. And there's built-in network effect, and people can see that there's a they have a part to play as well. That's pretty cool. So so if you when you ask me all the way back, I, I don't know about like five or six minutes ago, about what forms of content I find interesting, I think that's pretty interesting. I also wanted to ask how would you envision open source content on YouTube or any other video platform? How would the collaboration look like? Because text is nice, it's editable. Videos, not so much, really. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest, I haven't figured it out. You can let me know when you do, because YouTube is very final uh, format. When you upload a video, that's it. Well, you can collaborate on streams. I think Twitch channels and stuff like that. But I hate it when people, when content creators, so I, I used to work in developer relations and developer marketing. And people are like, oh, you can use YouTube or Twitch. And like, come on, like YouTube is a hundred times bigger than Twitch, right? Like in terms of audience size, especially for developers. So sure, you can do collaborative work on your Twitch channel with like 20 people watching. It's not the same thing as as you. With open source, there comes another question about earning money. And if you don't like this question, we can skip it. But with when you make materials, videos, courses, books, articles, you can just earn money with this. And then making beginner targeted materials is just more profitable because you have more people who are beginners. Yes. Mm-hmm. And with, I'm trying to ask a very complex question. I probably should just ask a bunch of questions instead. So let's go with the first. Just lay it all out and let's have a real chat. You don't have to break it up. Oh, oh, all right. First of all, making content for the beginners is easier. Second is that when you make open source, and it's, it, this is a very, let's say, popular problem for open source, is that open source often struggles finding, getting funding or getting money, earning money. So yeah. what is your take on that? How would you earn money? Let's call it the ethical way of earning money or like how, what is the good way to do it without this sort of putting out, I don't know what to say, cheap material, cheap materials is just not necessarily true, but you know what I'm talking about. It's a tricky topic. First of all, I applaud making anything and trying to sell it for money on the internet is very difficult and don't let any criticism get in the way of you trying. Okay. So just go try whatever you try and as long as it works, good for you. Okay. This is for people who have some experience and can, are are smart enough to do whatever and and have some responsibility for their, for their choices. So that's one thing I should mention. The other thing I think that your question that I don't like about the question or that I want to push back on the question is that you said there's, there's, there's like two things that are pulling in opposite directions so one is like you want to make money and the best way to make money is to make intro courses and the other is you want to fund open source right another one was about your let's say you write a book if you write it alone you can just get revenue by selling it if you make an open source let's say book or cheat sheet or whatever you won't be able to sell it i see sure that's not the goal and that's not i don't see what's the okay like first of all you don't have to monetize everything second of all a lot of open source like is a means to an end right it's not about the code it's about the knowledge that's encoded inside the code and you can monetize that a bunch of different ways like you can use that as part of your cv for hiring right if the company already uses your your code they're much more likely to hire you because you're the maintainer of something that they use that's fantastic but then also you can sell consulting services so my friend tanner lindsley made React Query and React Table and a bunch of other popular Yeah, which is amazing. Library, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, and he sells consulting hours. And that's a perfectly fine to monet- way to monetize. And you can keep the open source free uh, because code is only a part of the overall value of software. I like this answer. It's uh, very good that, yeah, you don't necessarily need to make di- direct uh, sales with it. Well, the different, the slightly different answer, which I thought you were going a slightly different direction because you're saying... Okay, uh, how do you I understand it? I definitely see a lot of people making intro intro tutorials and courses and they make a lot of money from it 
And then you're trying to link that to like, how can that, how can I use that to fund open source? And no, I, not really. It's just the okay. way I've asked the question. It was really two different questions and I got confused. I just want to make the point that teaching is its own valuable skill and open source is mm -hmm. a different skill that is, that tends to be monetized in a very different way. So the people, the kind of person who like works on Redux and it, like is in the issues every single day is probably... I, I know because he's a friend of mine, is not a very good self-promoter and teacher of intro introductory courses because they're just not at that level and they don't enjoy that kind of work. And it's, it, it, is a stand, it is a good skill to, to be able to teach beginners. So these are, all, these are both specializations and they monetize in different ways. Okay, that's a good answer. Overall, throughout the discussion, I got the point that <laughs> there are things more important than money. It's more important to do things that fulfill you. Uh, it's more important to make connections than to try to gain the the audience. And what else did we learn today? <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I? I want to. I also want to share this. Money is very important to me. Okay, <laughs> I, I I I do respect a lot, and I think you know people should try to make the most for out, out of the limited time that they have for available mm -hmm. for work. But I think that you can both be more fulfilled and make more money by going deep, okay, mm -hmm. rather than, than broad and shallow. So All this right. is not a choice between, oh, either, either I want money or I want happiness. Yeah, deep work and no money, shallow you can, work and no you can have You can have a lot of money. You just need to be more patient, okay? Don't go for the near-term rewards of likes. Go for the long-term rewards of like, here's a productive working relationship where it spins off like job opportunities, like collaboration efforts, like whatever, and like mutual learning, stuff like that. And, and to me, I think that will probably open to you opportunities that most of the other people, because they are playing a completely different game. They're just playing mm -hmm. the likes game. It, those opportunities will not be open to them because they're, they're not even caring about relationships. They're not even caring about like collaborations and, and learning. So I'm simplifying things greatly. Okay. And so take this with a lot of caveats, but I think that you can make money and you can have deep relationships at the same time. I, I think a good example is uh, Josh Camus with uh, his uh, CSS course. I followed his work for a long time, first saw him on React Europe, and then I was amazed by the uh, depth and the quality of his articles, tutorials. It's just amazing. Animating React, uh, overall working with CSS. And now, I, uh, as far as I've heard, the, the launch of the CSS course was very successful. Yes, half a million dollars. That's very good. Yeah, but he spent 10 years right, making educational tech platforms and just being extremely passionate about them and meeting basically everybody in that space, right? And then whenever you want to monetize, sure, just put out a course, people buy it because like they trust you and you're going to have the skills to back it up, right? It's just so much easier than like trying to start out hunting for likes and like going into the content grind and doing the intro stuff and like not really having a purpose or a goal. Like he sta Josh stands for something. He stands for, I guess, animation. He stands for, for CSS. It's not yelling. There are a lot of CSS developers who like just yell at JS developers. Hey, you should learn CSS. You suck at CSS. Uh, he's not like that. He's a JS developer that really understands CSS and wants to just share it with you because he thinks that it can be beneficial for you. And he just genuinely embraces that and has gone deep on it. So that's the kind of thing where there's a class of YouTube content creators or, or Twitter content creators that will just never get there. Never. Because they're just focused on the wrong thing. And I feel sad for them. I, mean, I don't judge them in a sense like they can do whatever they want. But I think that maybe they might not know that there's another way. We have, I think, just five minutes left. And I want to ask a very specific question about content create creation is what is the purpose of, like, what kind of, what to post on Twitter? Because, yeah, I connect easily with people in Twitter spaces, but I have no idea what to tweet about. I do a lot of different things, but <laughs> it, it feels like it's not, it's just, 
tweet format is, is is just not for me. I ended up just using it to announce my streams and, and such. Uh, I see. That's fine as well. I, I, I don't really think I figured it out. And I think as long as you're working on interesting things and you're sharing cool findings, sometimes storytelling really works, like telling a personal story or something that you just learned that like, you just have to tell people. It's, it's the kind of thing that, like when I, when I read about something and I'm like, hey, I want to tell my sister, that's the kind of thing that you can share and just write mm -hmm. it up in an entertaining way because people want to learn, but they also want to be entertained, right? Like Twitter is kind of like a semi-professional place. So if you can balance the bars of education and entertainment, I think you, you'll go pretty far. And also making it witty, I think it's, it's something that's pretty, pretty key. Witty is uh, what some, Witty, like some, something insightful that someone has never thought about or has never mm. been phrased quite that way. And after you think, after you hear that, you're like, okay, shit, like that, that is the way to think mm. about it. So quotes are really good. Unfortunately, that gets you into this territory of what is called fortune cookie Twitter, where everyone, every, the, some of the really high follower accounts, uh, basically That's have exactly. stopped sharing opinions. I put it in the same thing as the threads with uh, ours. Not the same thing. Why not? Because there is some genuine belief in that. When they when they tweet that, they're just uh, trying to minimize. They're trying to compress their insights into the smallest amount of characters and, and words as possible. But they genuinely believe in it. Whereas those engagement and listicle posts are literally just listing uh, article, uh, listing projects, and then writing absurd number of hours, which nobody believes. So there's a difference. Anyway, okay. so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I have a guide for, I have a developer's guide to Twitter in the, in a book that I wrote. It basically covers like a bunch of these topics. It covers like healthy Twitter versus uh, unhealthy Twitter. Nice. But yeah, I, and, and I think my, my advice for people just getting started is that try to keep it professional. 90% professional, 10% personal is something that I think about a lot. Basically, because people don't know who you are. As you grow over time, people know your brand, they trust you. You can let loose a little bit. I definitely play a lot of let loose by, by myself. But when people don't know who you are, you can try to focus and try to uh, connect with the people in that particular part of the Twitter audience. And particularly sometimes it's like responding with helpful links, sharing or riffing off of somebody else's work. Like sometimes people publish a code pen, you can fork that code pen and then build something else with it. And that would be really cool. And they'll share your work as well. And it's a long game. I've been doing this for, I've been serious about Twitter for about three years. And it's really, it's definitely helped me. But the people that I don't remember, like I don't, my, my growth doesn't scale with my follower account. My growth scales with the number of high quality people that in my industry that I really want to connect to. And sometimes they can be industry legends or sometimes they can be people new to Twitter, but who already have really good skills that I want to learn from. And I work with them already. So try to use it as a guide, but don't be ruled by your life. Don't rule your life by likes, basically. Yeah, for me, the great example was Ryan Carnieto, who with whom we made a stream about uh, Solid and what is different, the difference yeah. between Solid oh, and... That guy is yeah. so passionate. Holy shit. <laughs> and he, he sold. Yeah. I then asked him to send me an article who apparently he wrote. It turned out that he wrote that article about history of hooks. I perceived hooks as something that appeared in React in 2019, but actually... It was, yeah, exactly. It, it, this pattern existed since 2010. And actually, you can backtrack it in other languages even further than that. Like in, in JavaScript, it, it was Knockout.js that has yeah. this sort of thing that was hook, yeah. hooks-like, sort of. That Ryan, right? has a, Ryan has an interesting... So there are, smart, there are, there are some developers who are very well-intentioned uh, and very knowledgeable, but uh, they're very self-focused. And I, I think Ryan has genuine intention to want to share, but he ends up plugging his own stuff too much. And he plugs Solid.js a lot. And, and sometimes like... People don't want to learn about SolidJS. They're like, uh, here's this guy talking about SolidJS and my mentions again. I, 
I'm just uh-huh, so there is, there is a limit. <laughs> what should be the ratio between plugging your own stuff? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just, look, like, no. So hang on. So I want to, let me finish my thought, which is basically, oh. I think that you should try to help others before you serve yourself, right? Like, give, 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 give take. Give, 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 give. No, it's not take. It's like ask, right? Give, 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 give. Five, give. Like, one take. Something like that, right? Like Gary Vee has like jab, 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 uh, right hook, something like that, right? Whatever mm-hmm. it is, at least build that relationship by like offering something of value to the other person. And then they'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll check out your thing now, right? Like instead of mm-hmm. like constantly, like here's my Medium article, here's my library. P- other people exist and like promote them or like help them. And then they'll, int- in, in return, they'll be interested in you. Not a, not yeah. a shocking conflict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see a point. It's not really bad. It's just something that you see that he could do better to promote himself by. Yeah, I guess I, I always that. like. There's another guy as well who's a, one of the maintainers of Webpack, and he's very smart. But like, he, he has trouble getting people to to notice the stuff that he does, basically because he doesn't portray. He doesn't seem to give back in in caring about what they do. So, yeah, mm-hmm. good. Point. I think one of the ways, I, I think it's Dale Carnegie, um, how to win friends and influence people. That's a, just like a rule of <laughs> human nature. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, even though it's like 70 years old, it's still relevant. One of his quotes is that to be interesting, be interested, be interested in other people, be interested in what they do, what their, what their priorities are, what their, I guess their personal job, whatever they share online, they're happy to engage with. Right. And so it's like a, it's like, Hey, like I'm really going through something in my job. And it's like, Oh no. Okay. Tell me more about that. And like, just be genuinely interested in what's going on in their lives. And like, if you're not, and, and don't fake it, right? Like if you're not, then that's fine. But like, <clears throat> when you do like engage in the story, help out and they'll start to care about you as well. Like it's just a fundamental like reciprocity uh, principle that just always works in human connections. But then something uh, that you said is uh, very important that you need to really be genuinely interested. You can't force it. You cannot make yourself yeah. be interested in other people. It's just, and I think the core lesson here is just to really know what you like. And we can come uh, go back to the beginning of our converse- conversation where you said to create material targeted to people who you admire and aspire. And then still you first need to, to know what do you like personally? What are you interested in instead of chasing the likes that are, of course, is a dopamine kick. And yeah, everyone <laughs> likes it, but there is some deeper liking that needs to be found. Right? Yeah. There is one question that I would like to answer before we finish. It's the sure. first question that we got today. Is like, what is a grifter? And maybe oh, I was a bit man. too harsh and I've like overemphasized it, but would you like to, is it really called grifting or is, it, is my English bad? I, I think I've heard it, it a couple of times. It is. It is. It is. So I'm not wrong. Uh, first of all, if, you, if you're not in this world, don't feel bad. I, it's a term that I think is popular in like the very extreme liberal parts of the US. And they just expect everyone to know it, right? And it's just <laughs> not true. Well, you see, I get it. What does it mean contextually? Uh, so I, don't, I, don't, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this. So I don't have a, a good definition, but I'll try for you. And so grifting is a negative connotation. It's a label for someone who's trying to get by not doing very much and trying to do, trying to, I guess, profit off of other people's work. That's grifted in a nutshell. So a grifter is someone who just does that constantly, right? And that's the only thing that they do. Essentially someone who doesn't have any intrinsic value themselves and just profits off of other people. And to be fair, there are a lot of those in the US and that are sometimes, I see them a lot. When I was very young, I was involved in charity work in Mm -hmm. Africa. And oh my God, there's so much grift in in Africa. Like when you give money to charities, please double check where your money's going because a lot of it is just going to uh, people who are already pretty rich and they're just uh, taking it and, and acting like they're angels. 
they're not angels. But in tech, it, it often is people like 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 that like that list of people. Like here is the top seven libraries of uh, JavaScript. They didn't they did not contribute to any of the libraries. They didn't even use it. But they're just doing it for the likes, uh, and that's a form of grift. Sorry. So thing is that people even ask me about the um, uh, VS Code extensions that I use. But problem is that I don't really use any except for Vim and uh, just two extensions. That's it. And most of the extensions that you will find, yeah, they might make you more effective, but that's not the effectiveness that you should strive for anyway. Usually they save a few minutes. They don't really matter in the big picture. Oh, What's more amazing. That's a hot take. That's great. What do you mean? That's great. So you have a unpopular opinion, as they call it, and you should just try to share that because I think that's something that will get people's attention and you strongly believe in is it. it unpopular? Wait a second. It is an unpopular opinion, you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. VS Code is like 50-something okay. percent of the developer market, man. And all of them use extensions. So the fact okay. that you use something else is something interesting. And you can say like, yeah, you, you can have this. I don't I, I don't know like the YouTuber terminology because I'm not a big YouTuber. But you can go like like something in your th- in your thumbnail and go like VS Code is overrated. Here's why. And then you, know, you can you can yeah, VS Code extension can be your opinion. Overrated. Yeah. But you gen- yeah. but you really you really believe in it. That's great. Yeah, I truly believe. I don't think it's, it really matters. I think yeah. it doesn't. Exactly. Even more than that, actually, my work setup is very similar to my streaming setup, and it has everything turned off, auto completion, whatever, because I'm just lazy. Well, well, honestly, I don't like switching back and forth between two setups. Sets up. It's easier for me to get used to one without any sort of hints, and then your brain does it automatically at some point. That's (laughs) that's it. All right, I don't agree, but all right, good for you. Hey, whatever. (laughs) Whatever works, man. The, the beauty of code is like, you can code your way, I can code my way. Uh, as long as the code runs, I, I can work with you. It's fine. Yeah, that, that is true. Even though naturally we tend to be very defensive about the tools that we are using, opinions and whatever. Yeah, it is. So uh, there's a, this is a side tangent, but there's an interesting thread, I think on Hacker News a, a few, few days ago, where it's like, okay, code is a very interesting like intermediate representation. Because at the end of the day, every developer has their own like unique little IDE setups and they view code differently, right? But mm-hmm. how come when it comes to the web, we just feel the vi- final product? Like I have to see the CSS and I have to see the typography and whatever choices that you made, and I don't have a say in it. Like what would be what would it be like to have an ID for the web? Like, that'd be better be pretty cool. I'm just sharing that that interesting thought. That's like, an interesting thought. I have there's so much personalization. Yeah, and I have seen different thought in the same direction. That the code is not only the tool or a scaffold to create a product that you will serve, but it is also a product on its own because when you use it with your colleagues, they're also consumers and your code has consumer qualities itself, not as a scaffold or a blueprint. One thing that I've noticed is that at some point I started, like when you work with people for several months, you might start sensing who wrote specific line of code, even without looking at Git Blame. Everyone has different style and you see, okay, this pattern is from this person and whatnot. But also I think it emphasizes the importance of clarity, which I put on top of everything when I write my code. Because if it's clear, you can easily fix it. It's unrelated to all the previous discussion, but I think it's related to what you were saying about the code being its own sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tangent, but I like the Yeah. See, this is what a, a casual conversation where we, we, we're both passionate about programming and this, that's what it happens. If we're here to like make like are you a grifter content? Like, uh, we'd be a lot more focused, but I think this is how real conversations work. <laughs> exactly. This is why I like Twitter spaces and I don't really like Twitter. <laughs> that's the yeah, thing. Really, it's the same that happens on Twitter spaces. You talk to a person, you're genuine, that's it. With tweets, no idea what to do. 
Yeah, it's a mix of like public broadcasting, uh, a bit of a meme and joke platform, and then some like actual education going on. Sometimes people teach really important stuff. And like, for example, I follow uh, what's his name, Adi Asmani. Adi Asmani is the engineering mm-hmm. manager for Chrome, and he only tweets Chrome updates. So he's the Chrome update Twitter account, account, and I follow that and I learn about Chrome from him. That's great. That's fine. He's already given up on like sharing too much personal stuff. I think because he's there's a cost to that, which is uh, people think that they know everything about you and they want to they have opinions about how you should live your life and sometimes you need to just turn turn it off Uh, i can imagine yeah well that's really all that i wanted to discuss if you have anything else that you'd like to discuss i this is an unusual chat for me usually i'm talking about like uh, the basics of learning in public so actually you gave me a chance to really go deep on this grifting and like thank you so much i was really Yeah. No, I'm really glad. I'm sorry I made fun of you, but like I think your agree was pretty was pretty funny anyway. Was what, what what's really sucks there is that I was exposed as a grifter and among them I was like a loser with one like <laughs> it didn't even work. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think no, 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 no. Okay, here's here's the way I, I spin it positively, right? It didn't work because you don't have a brand for grifting. Like the people who follow you don't follow you for that. So they, they don't want to encourage you, so they don't like it. So would like with people, the people who have been doing it for a while, they build up an audience of like people who, who only do that. And that's what they want. It's, it's very hard to then ch- to pivot and change your direction when you get already a lot of engagement, a lot of support, and a lot of people who like your content. That yeah. is that. And then you get the Siraj Raval problem. Yeah, so so I have a post on this called uh, the Meta Creator Ceiling. Just Google Meta Creator Ceiling. Where mm-hmm. basically I say like, if you're smart and ambitious, you end up wanting to win rather than more than you want to solve problems. So winning to you seems like you, you have no direction in life. You're like, okay, winning, like, oh, let's make number go up. That's winning to me. Try to have a deeper definition of winning for you because you have a limited number of years in life. Like try to work on something more substantial than than just numbers on the screen. So so the line that I end with is assume that you will be successful at whatever you do. Are you playing a game that you want to win, right? Assume that you're going to win. Are you playing a game that you want to win? I actually read this article and I really like the, the, the points of it. Yeah. So, so whatever it is, and it's not for me to tell you what to, what to, what you want to play or what you want to win at life in. There's another article by Clay Christensen called "How Will You Measure Your Life When You Look Back After Like 50, 60 Years." What will you be proud of? Right? It's probably not the the grifting tweets. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Well, thank you so so much for joining the stream. It was very fruitful discussion. And about 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 the tweet. Yeah. Thing is with Twitter and with tweets is that you get only a tiny little picture of what the person meant. Yeah, yeah. And I, have, I saw that. Gotten, 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 people have gotten upset with me. I've gotten upset with people, and then we've patched it up. It, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, the only reason why I didn't get upset is that I'm not really attached to yeah. this sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> I also don't like it. So that's, yeah, that's, that's another principle I have as well. Don't attach your identity to your work because if pe- people criticizing you, sorry, if people criticize you, they are criticizing a past version of you, right? And you always have a chance to improve. Yeah, that's true. I, when I was reading your essay about learning in public, you said there that people criticize you, you good, you agree, and you move on. I personally dislike criticizing because I honestly think that it can be done much better if the person has genuine constructive and nice about it. Yeah, exactly. Because when you criticize people, well, the most likely thing that will happen is that they will get defensive. This is just how we operate. You even also mentioned so, that so we're no. animals. I totally agree. We're animals by the biggest percentage. <laughs> so so don't get defensive. Turn the other cheek and say like, okay, I agree with you. Can you tell me more? Right? 
because uh, there are a lot of people who will never be nice to you when they criticize. They just think they're very smart, whatever. And they are very smart. They're just not very nice. If you can turn those people into your mentors, I've done that many, many times. And that's fantastic. You have more teachers than what to do with. And that's great. <laughs> so it, it's definitely, you have to swallow your ego a bit and just go like, okay, yeah, I, 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 I'm willing to listen to you. And sometimes when, they, when you show that you're willing to listen, they also back down and they become nice. Mm. So, so instead of telling them, hey, you should be nice before you talk to me, you, you just go like, hey, I'm willing to listen. And then they become nice. You know what I mean? Like, don't tell mm-hmm. them to be nice. It's like, invite them to be nice. Good point. Yeah, I do have to go, but thank you so much for having me. And this is a really great chat. I'm really, I'm going to thank you so much. Watch back on this one. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thank Mexico. you.